Hi, this is Colin here, and you're listening to TowerPod.com. Well, I love the Lone Ranger, and I love that Dennis Law. Him and George Best, you sure knew how to kick a ball. I wanted to be a cowboy, and learn to crack a whip. Stand up in that lonely street, to six guns on my hip. Along the mighty Beatles came, and everywhere went, ah! They could play and sing and everything, and of course that John could draw. Well, that was it for me. I never once looked back, and tricks to learn and waves to catch. I had a plan of attack. Welcome to TowerPod.com. My name is Eli, and with me today is Colin Hay. Thanks for being here, man. Nice to be here, Eli. All right. Well, for anyone that may not be familiar with your solo career by now, you're probably best known as the lead singer for Men at Work. I would think so. Um, you know, I would think that that's still how people, that's their point of reference. Yeah. Well, you know, for people that aren't familiar, for the last 20 years, you've really been developing a pretty solid uh, solo career with uh, you know nine releases to date. Your your latest came out earlier this year. Are you looking at me? You've been touring relentlessly, and you know making it work for you. I'm very persistent. It's a great way to be, man. <laughs> uh, um, well, in your solo work and, and and what you're doing, have you ever tried to avoid or move away from the Men at Work references? Um, well, I did that in the in the late '80s after the band split, and like around finally around '84, '85. I think for a few years after that, like in the late '80s, there was a period where I tried to divorce myself from the past a little bit. It was a little bit like just emo just emotionally, and but I wasn't really touring all that much, so I, it does it doesn't really. It was just really more okay. What am I going to do now? But I think that. From the early 90s on, I realized that it doesn't really matter what I do. I'm always going to be associated with, with that band and those songs. And, uh, and those songs have been very good to me. So I have a lot of respect for them. So it's, the songs at the end of the day for me are really what lasts and what stands the test of time. And so that's uh, what I just really play the songs that I like. And it doesn't really matter whether they were on a Men at Work album or a solo album, you know. Mm -hmm. But obviously, the. If songs are hits, they're they're like heavy hitters. They're 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 you know they're powerful songs. If you put them, if you put them in a set, you know people people recognize them. So there's always a certain amount of people that go, oh yeah, you know I know. But for the last five years or so, there's been a lot more people who've been coming along to hear you know newer songs and songs you know from the last ten years or so. Mm -hmm. Well, can you tell me a little about the new record? The Are you looking at me? Maybe well, about the uh, like the production. The um, well, I recorded it really, I guess, over the last couple of years, and the production really is, is um, I don't really think that much about production, but I do it in my basement, I have a Pro Tools rig, and I just really write the songs, and I invite people up to play on them, and I try as much as possible to, to let the song speak for itself, and I've got a couple of friends whose opinions I respect, and so... You know, sometimes I think, well, you know, should I add more to this? Should I take a bit off? Should I keep this very simple? And 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 so I, I take people's advice that I that I trust, and um, I really let the production of the of the songs develop themselves in many ways. I just try and record the sounds that I record. I try and record them as 
uh, as true as I can to what I'm hearing in my head, and I keep I try to keep it pretty simple. And then at the end of the recording process, I usually let my friend uh, Chad Fisher mix it because he's a great mixing engineer. I take it out of my studio, take it down to his, just take a little hard drive down there, and he mixes it because I love his mixes. And then it takes on a another uh, another flavor again, you know. So that's that's how I did it. Are the musicians that are on the record? Do they travel with you? Do they tour? Some of them, yeah. Some of them do. Uh, most of them do. There's usually two or three different musicians for each instrument. If somebody's not in town, you know, I call somebody else. But um, that's one of the great things about being in Los Angeles is you have this incredible, uh, you know, gene pool of fantastic musicians you can call up on a Tuesday afternoon and they'll come up and play on your record for for. Um, you know, very reasonable, reasonable rates, and uh, you can have some of the best players in the world. Cool. Exciting. Well, would you say that most of the songs that you write in general, maybe on this album or in, on albums past, um, would you say they're based more on fiction or real life experiences? Um, well, um, I people ask me that a little bit, but um, there's a lot of there's a lot of fiction. And there's a lot of stories which maybe are about people that I've witnessed or some of them are about personal experience. But the thing about personal experiences with songs is that um, you're limited to your own personal experience. So it's, uh, you know, it's much more interesting in many ways to, uh, to uh, you know, use whatever imagination you can and um, let the songs uh, develop themselves. Sometimes a song starts from something that's happened to you or something you feel something you, uh, you don't really know where it comes from. All of a sudden you end up, you have this idea for a song and uh, then it develops from there and it ends up being about something completely different from what you thought it would, you know. But I think sometimes you, sometimes a song just, boom, there it is. And then sometimes it's a lot more labored and sometimes, you know, the song has a voice and you, you, you listen to that and um, let it speak for itself. Cool. You've had a number of releases, you know, and on your own, and in Men at Work on major labels, and a few on some independent labels. What major difference would you? What major differences would you say you find in the two, uh, the two models, a major label and a, an independent label? Well, um, I suppose I got very spoiled because the first major label that I was on, we had a huge commercial success, and we didn't really have anybody telling us what to do or, you know, relatively little of that. And the first couple of albums just, boom, went, went crazy. And then the third album didn't. And so, um, uh, so I, you know, at the end of the day, I got dropped from major labels because I stopped selling records. So that's what really happens. I think that one of the, one of the problems with... Um, that I experienced with with major labels just towards the end of my uh, career with them was that if if you put out an album and they you know they 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 throw it at the wall they throw it at radio you know it's maybe got between six eight ten weeks to happen if it doesn't happen they're basically out of ideas so that's that's the way it is you know so and and after a while you realize that they are closer to banks than anything else you're just really a way to fund fund your your creativity 
So if you can, one of the best things about being in your own, your own is that if you can figure out a way how you can do that yourself, and I figured out, well, okay, I still want to make records, I don't have a deal, major labels are not interested in me anymore, and I'm not really interested in them anymore, so how do I, how do I bring my um, product into existence, you know? Product, I call it product because it basically is product, but it's like their little, my little babies, if you like. But, um, you know, so I thought, well, I'll, I'll put a studio together, then I can at least bring it into existence and then whatever happens to it from that point on in many ways is in the lap of the gods sometimes you can get a little deal sometimes you have to release it yourself but it is very empowering to be able to create something and go well, okay well, there it is and be able to touch it and feel it and and <laughs> and put it out there for people to uh, for people to hear and then things start from things can move from there you have to actually you know, get the ball rolling. You've got to kind of, you've got to keep, you've got to get moving instead of going, okay, well, I'm just going to wait for something to happen, you know. So, and then I was with a couple of smaller labels and I really liked them, but they ran out of money. They went bankrupt. And so for 10 years or so, I was just kind of stumbling around all the time, just playing live and and recording records with, uh, they were a bit of a secret, you know. And there's still a little bit of that uh, left over, but I started working with this label out of Nashville in 2003 called Compass Records and they, they they were interested in working with me but they knew that no one had really heard of me in the mainstream for 10 or 15 years so they suggested that I put out um, a compilation, call it Man at Work, have some acoustic versions of the old songs. They knew I'd played them live so that's what I did and some songs off the solo albums and so it was really a reintroduction. So in many ways this new album that I have is really like, feels like the first album, the first new album to me that I've had for quite a while. And the, the, one of the differences, I suppose, is that you, you know, I'm dealing with probably on a regular basis, maybe three or four people. And I know them, I can, you know, I call them, what's going on here, what's going on there. So you develop personal relationships and you can keep working with a record for a longer period of time because it's not so, you know, um, it's not too, so dependent on getting it on, you know, getting it on, uh, you know, major radio stations. That would be lovely, that would be great. But, you know, it's more about, um, just enjoying the process, if you like, because you have to, you know, it's still goal oriented. You still would love to, for people to buy CDs and you to build it and to build up people who like what you do. But it's more, you know, a combination of things as opposed to just that one thing, either you hit it radio, if you don't hit it radio, boom, it's all over. So it's like, it's like getting into a boxing ring and thinking, well, the only way that I'm going to win here is to just bang, hit the guy, knock him out in one punch. And you, it's very difficult to do. So now you have to think about maybe just going 15 rounds, or at least if you are going to knock him out, it's going to be a combination. It's not just going to be one hit. You mm -hmm. know? Cool. Wow. That was, was that one sentence? No, that's a good analogy, man. I dig that. I dig that. Uh, um, you live in Los Angeles now, you said, right? Yeah, I've been there for a long time. How do you think that living in a city like that has affected your career or your music? Well, it's difficult to say. I, um, I always feel that I could really kind of live anywhere and do what I do, but that's not really the truth. I love Australia. I love that lived there for a long time. But if you're going to say mount a tour and you live in Australia, everything's much more effort. It's a much smaller population, um, you know, 23 million. So you repeat yourself quicker if you're touring and so forth. I moved to Los Angeles because everything was pointing away from Australia for me many years ago. I was uh, I had a record deal which was based in Los Angeles. I was getting divorced. It was like things were pointing away from from there. So I came to LA and I, to make a record, and I just liked it. 
I like the fact there was lots of people like me there just, um, you know, trying to create things. Mm -hmm. And, um, uh, and um, uh, you know, it was I'm str strategically placed. If you want to say tour in Central America or South America or Canada or Europe, you're kind of in the center of things. People that make, you know, pedal boards for your guitar, you know, they're down the road, they're down the street, or, 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 or cases, or guitars, or stuff that we're all addicted to. Ah, happily, they're just down the road. Mm -hmm. <laughs> all that infrastructure is there, and it's just, I don't know, it just was exciting to me. And, you know, you go down to a guitar store, and, you, you know, you might see Ry Cooder in there. You might not, but there's the chance you might, you know, and that's, that's kind of, that's cool, you know. Or you might, you know, pull up to the lights next to Joni Mitchell. It's never happened, but it might. You know, I, I love that thing of when, ever since I was in Scotland and I first heard Good Vibrations by, beach, by the Beach Boys, I thought, oh, that was, I thought that was like Southern California to me. And as it happened, I went to Australia, which at that particular time reminded me, I thought, well, this is probably as close as I'll get to Southern California unless I actually go there. You know, and as it turns out, it may actually have been a little bit better because it was, you know, a bit more of a secret and a bit more unique and a bit more, you know, a bit more spirited. Cool, cool, cool. I can only imagine the number of shows you've played over the years, you know, I mean, touring, the world a number of times over. Uh, um, are there any places or tours that, you know, or shows that really stick out as particularly memorable? Well, I could go for the, go for the easy answer and say last night uh -huh. because <laughs> it was last night. Uh -huh. And uh, the, the shows that really stick out in my head are usually the ones that were the night before or like last week. But I have to say, this tour has been pretty good. It's been sold out. It's a, uh, it's. It, I have this new album release. It's just me and Cecilia, my wife, touring, and she sings with me and one sound guy. So there's three of us. So it's, we have a lot of laughs, and the shows have been very, you know, pretty powerful. I'm very happy with what happens, and the audiences have been great. So, you know, I'm really happy with with where where it is right now. I could go back in time and I could say, well, you know. I played the. Uh, I, I closed the show at the at this 2000 Sydney Olympics, and you think just for in intensity and magnitude, I may never do a bigger gig than that. You know, it was just playing one song. So there's different there's different reasons why you remember you know events, and there's also like you know playing at the Grammys, which was a horrendous experience for me because they forgot to plug in the, 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 the amp, the guitar amp, the microphones to the guitar amp. So the only guitars you could hear were bleeding through the drum mics and the vocal mics. So it sounded horrible. And of course, everyone just thinks you're, you know, you're, you're crap, you know, because, oh, you sounded terrible, you know. But it wasn't our fault, you know. But when we won the Grammy, but I have this, I have this terrible memory of the actual sound of it, you know. Mm -hmm. Uh, but I have also have a great memory of watching Ray Charles and Jerry Lee Lewis and Little Richard playing together. Uh, you know, when I was watching from the side of the stage. So, um, but um, there's, um, uh, you know, there's all kinds of countries. I was playing in Italy. There's playing in Brazil. Playing in uh, you know all all different uh, um, all different parts of the world, um, which uh, and each of those places have their have their. Um, you know, highlights, if you like. Um, I remember playing, I went to Rock in Rio in 1991. It was after the band had broken up and I had, I had a hit off one of the solo albums. It was the only place and the only time I had this huge hit with a song called Into My Life and it was a hit in Brazil. 
And it's it a great place to have a hit. Yeah, man. absolutely. <laughs> it, was, it was the only place. So I only, with that band and on that album, I only did uh, two gigs, one in the Esplanade Hotel in St. Kilda in Melbourne and with to 150 people, and then to Rock and Rio to 150,000 people. You know, and I had T-shirts done with the Colin Hayward band, World Tour. There was only two gigs on it. Uh, <laughs> at the hotel in Rock and Rio, and we, we went on. It was, it, was, it was me and then um, Joe Cocker and then Prince, you know, so... That was kind of that felt kind of special because it was like nowhere else was did the song work except for there, you know. So it was kind of like this, this you know, a pocket of stardom in, in amongst the you know in the rest of the world where the album had been a secret, you know. That's awesome. That's awesome. You've done a lot of licensing to television and to films over the years. Um, I even saw you appeared on an episode of Scrubs one time, and you followed Zach Braff around. And, you know, playing the guitar, and they've actually played a lot of your music on that show. I'm wondering, how did all that come about? It just came about very simply uh, by the fact that Zach Braff came to see me play at Largo in, in, in Hollywood, where I've been playing for 13 years, and we have a mutual friend, Chad Fisher, actually, the same guy who mixed my album. He knows, um, he knows Chad. So I met Zach, you know, Briefly, I, I didn't, you know, didn't know him very well, still don't really know him very well, but um, um, he came along to my shows, liked my albums and would take them home. And then he, I remember him coming along one night and uh, saying, um, oh, I've, got this, I've got this gig at this new television show, you know, I'm going to take your albums in and play them for the producers. And he did, you know, so, and then the creator of the show, Bill Lawrence, he liked a lot of the songs and couldn't understand why they weren't, you know, better known. So he started licensing different songs that he thought would work with the show. He licensed "Beautiful World" and uh, and um, uh, a number of other a number of other songs. I think "My Brilliant Feet," "Waiting for My Real Life to Begin," and uh, different songs he used for the different uh, uh, episodes. And then uh, and then he actually wrote an episode called "My Overkill," which featured uh, my song "Overkill," and he asked me to come in and do that very thing. So it's very organic and very um, you know just quite real. And um, for the last three or four years or something, it's been amazing for me because so many people come along and see my shows and buy albums and buy songs because of the, because of the strength of Scrubs. And, uh, you know, it's really, uh, if you're not getting played on, on, on radio, television, to get television exposure is, is incredible. It's just awesome, you know, really is. So it's helped me a lot. Awesome. You, more than most of the artists that have come through here, have really seen and grown into this world of music and technology with all these advances in the Internet and things like Pro Tools and, you know, everything else. How have you noticed some of these, you know, shifts? You know, how have they affected your career, um, you know, with sites like MySpace and iTunes and peer-to-peer file-sharing sites? Well, I'm not really an expert on any of those things you mentioned, but the only thing that I know, that I hope that I've realized is that um, you have to adapt, you know, you have to morph, you have to be able to roll with the punches, you have to actually go, okay, this exists, I've got to deal with this, as opposed to, you know, what the record labels did was for so long was to bury their head in the sand and go, I hope, just hope this goes away. It's not going to go away, it's with you, so how do you deal with it, you know? And... Um, I don't really know. I don't think about it all that much, but I just think, how can I survive? I want to still be dealt cards, you know, and I, and I want to still be in the game. So how do I do that? You know, how do I, how do I make that work for me? And so that, that's really all I do. And, and I haven't, you know, it's not, it's not that I really, I mean, I, I went to school for a little while and, 
<clears throat> which was kind of valuable. You know, it was valuable. I went in to learn how to, to um, you know, I had the studio downstairs and I didn't want to just have to, de to depend on, uh, on engineers and producers and so forth. So I just went to learn how to, how to run my own rig. And, and ever since I did that, it's empowering and it's also really creatively stimulating because I can go down there get an idea and just you know record it straight away and experiment so it's it feels more it just feels very uh <coughs> it feels part of the process to me as opposed to something different i don't think oh, okay i'm a musician or i'm a rock songwriter that's what i do and i leave that, that other stuff to somebody else i think well it's all part of it you know it's all part of the creative process and you can go downstairs and turn the machines on or not turn the machines on and uh you know, get a really uh, valuable uh, creative uh, um, experience out of the out of the day. You know, which is really it's all to do with how am I going to spend, what am I going to do after breakfast? How can I, how can I uh, be as creative creative as I can after I've had coffee? <laughs> <laughs> cool. And you know, I don't really like working for a boss. You know, I don't like um, you know having to go in and listen to. You know, somebody endlessly bullshit about whatever it is they want to talk about. I'd rather just work for myself. Right on. Well, you're lucky you can do that. I'm very lucky. You know, very lucky. You know, my father did that, and kind of was one of the things I always remember in telling me that that uh, he just loved being his own boss. You know, because he could uh, make it up as he went along. There you go. There you go. You got any final thoughts before we wrap things up? Um. I have some thoughts, but I don't think they're final thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> cool. All right, man. Thanks very much for having me. I can't get to sleep. I think about the implications of diving in too deep. And possibly the complications, especially.